Hello. Um, yeah, I, I never ever mind being patient in the presence of God. Um, patient in the presence of God, rather. Um, so uh, it's a real joy. Uh, my name is Pete, if you hadn't gathered that. And uh, I just wanted to pick up on some things. Really, um, I've got a message here, but um, I'm really just going to pick up on what's happened through the worship because they're, um, they really are running in the same direction, which is very, very encouraging. Um, even down to um, the fire drill notice. I can, I can get that in, Mark, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, wherever you are, so um, uh, that'll be fine. Um, if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to turn to 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Um, I've, uh, last time I spoke, I talked about vision. Do you remember? Does anyone remember? In fact, if you have been tracking with some of the things I've been talking about through this year, I've been talking a bit about vision throughout and what it looks like for us to live with the Almighty God. Jumbra did some stuff with Abraham, and uh, I've just wanted to... You can kind of see where my thought process has been if you listen back to what I've preached on over the last few months. Um, And I just want to carry that on this morning. This morning I want to talk, um, follow on about vision. I want to talk about prophetic vision. So I'm just going to read this out. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. There is the fire drill notice right ahead of time we're in. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. Um, you can instantly see why our worship just ties in so beautifully with what we've been doing, just talking about courage, talking about what it is to live free from fear. Why are you laughing, John? It's fine. I I want joy in the house. That's great. (laughs) Keep laughing. In fact, if that breaks out all over the place, um, carry on. Um, I wanted to just say last week, Ruth Lev um, shared, didn't she? Um, fantastic message. If you weren't here to hear that one, she entitled it A Royal Response to the Poor. Um, so if you want to listen to that again, that'll be on the website. Please, please listen to it again. Um, and uh, she had us all at the end over in a circle over here, and she had a sword, didn't she? And she knighted us with this sword. She anointed us. And um, if you were here, um, you would have remembered that. And uh, this morning we had a fire tunnel, and uh, we've, we've just been, had hands laid on us again, haven't we? And we've been provoked in our worship to think about all the stuff that we're doing. This is Louis. Uh, Martin's probably in hot pursuit, um, so uh, please don't be distracted. Um, and uh, as Ruth was, um, I, I went over to her at the end and said, can you put your, do the same to me, because I realised I'd got missed out. And I just had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that was quite powerful. And um, so literally, as she put the sword on my shoulders, I felt, um, uh, I felt myself being lifted up from where we were, and, uh, and I felt myself being lifted up into, almost as if I was in the throne room of God, and I was suddenly aware of his presence right next to me. But it was like one of those moments where we were looking out, So I felt like this father figure just with me, like the warmth of being so near to my dad. And I felt we were literally standing on the edge of something. You know, like if you're on a really, if you've ever stood like on, you know, the Eiffel Tower or something and you're looking out at this um, panorama in front of you, it felt like that. And then I felt like we just dived and we dived off and literally we came down and then we were whizzing along and I felt like we were going between, um, like in and out of houses and I felt like we were going in, um, 
in people's conversations and I felt like we were experiencing the whole raft of, of what goes on with God's children right across it, what felt to me like Chelmsford but it, you know, like a city and we were going in and out and I felt like we were going in through conversations and arguments and celebrations and you know, the whole gamut of different stuff that was going on and, and I just was overwhelmed with his love and compassion for every single one of the situations that I felt like we were just kind of whizzing through and I just realised Father, you handle that stuff all the time. You know, he's present in all of these things, isn't he? And, and as much as that was kind of going on, um, I, I had the verse, as he is, so are we in the world, just whizzing round like on a loop in my head. And it just pulled me up. And I think why it was so significant was I felt like there was something going on which was... God was drawing me back, recommissioning me, which is, you know, what you want with a sword, isn't it, in that situation. Um, I felt like there was a recommissioning that was going on to bring me back to my true identity, to bring me back to what God has called me into. And, um, uh, and I feel like that's what has been going on with us as a church family in different ways. And some of the stuff that I want to share through this morning, it is personal to me, but I feel like I'm kind of saying it with a handout because I want to pull you into something that we are caught up with as a family. Yeah? So this is not just about me and my experiences. This is about us, and this is about us living with actually the prophetic vision that God has put in front of us. Does that sound all right? Um, and um, uh, and as, as, as that was kind of going on, Dave Loveland was, was there as well. I know there was a, a few people praying for me. Sarah Smith was around as well. And, and Dave was just declaring over me who I was. And, um, and again, there was something that was... Oh, um, there was something... My mouth's really dry. Could someone grab me a glass of water or something? Thank you. There was something that was um, brilliant in this moment because... Um, I felt like I was being literally pulled up as if I was, you know, like as if you grabbed someone and you pulled them up and they're being brought to attention. And it was like all of the lies and all of the oppression and all of the stuff that I could allow myself and have allowed myself maybe to get distracted with and caught up with, thank you so much, um, was all starting to fall off. And I could feel life coming back to me in a fresh way. You know that kind of feeling, and it just felt. And um, Dave, I'm, I'll share the analogy if that's all right. The story. Dave then um, sent me a link because this was what was in his mind was that, um, a thing from Lord of the Rings, and there's this um, guy who's a leader who's been completely. Um, uh, well, demonised really, um, put under massive spiritual oppression. In one, it's one of the. It's the second movie, is it? Um, I couldn't really remember, but um, uh, this guy has been under this this spell really, and um, Gandalf comes um, uh, and basically does some deliverance stuff on this guy and calls him out and calls out who he really is and breaks off the oppression. And as I watched it this week and as I just let it minister to me, there was just something going on of that, of, of constraint coming off, lies coming off, disbelief coming off. And I could feel myself rising and coming back. And what's beautiful in the film, if you've ever seen it in this clip, is that this guy who's all withered because he's been under this sort of spell, um, actually, as the free 
freedom comes, so as life comes back to him, even age falls away and his, his youth is renewed. And it's such a powerful picture, isn't it, of the gospel and of what happens as we come into the freedom of salvation. And, um, and I've just felt something of that this week as I've just let it kind of sit with me. Um, and uh, um, so that was kind of my starting point because I, I, I feel like this is for all of us. And um, we were at um, a global legacy meeting a couple of weeks ago. Um, Roy and Ruth and Rach and um, a couple of others were there. Um, Jackie and Stephen, I think you guys were there. And Alan Cass prayed for me. And uh, he um, was just basically calling out the big dreams. <laughs> And he, he was being quite strong. He's saying, what happened to the big dreams? What happened to the big dreams? And I, so I, I want to just talk about big dreams um, and um, spark us around that sort of stuff because I know there are big dreams for us as a church family that we are yet to realize. And I know that you as individuals carry big dreams. And I, you know, even as we sing that, that 10,000 Reasons song, you know, we sing about it's time to sing the song again. I feel like it's time to get the big dreams out. It's time to take God at his word and move forward um, and not leave it for another generation or another year or another, yeah? Um, I feel like there's two significant needs that we have as a church family. Um, And uh, they're not money, buildings, or offices, Um, even though they're probably needs that we do have, except that's not what I'm talking about this morning. Um, And I wanted to mention these because these are two things in a way these are probably things that we as leaders might sit with um, and not necessarily talk too much from the front about but I just wanted to highlight them is look these are things that I'm looking to God and have been for some time and with the leaders in the church we're looking to God for some time to bring breakthrough in these two areas and um, uh, so the first one is um, I feel like for a while there's been a need for mature relational apostolic input to come from outside the church. Um, we've got apostolically gifted people in the church, but I know that what we need are those kind of mature apostolic gifts to come from outside the church because what that does is it draws what is already in us and it, it, it breathes life over it. It breathes heaven's perspective on it and it... it, it calls it out doesn't it it's like it's like what fathers do with their children they recognize what's in there and rather than trying to control their kids to be like them when they grow up good fathers recognize what's in their children and call that out of them so that they get to grow up to be all that god's made them to be yeah and that's that's part so the reason why we've got guys like the merricks coming in a, in a couple of weeks time is because that's the gift that they are that that's what they carry that's what they're going to bring to us as a church family the thing is it has to be relational and one of the things that we've been keen on is building relationships with people um so that they're actually people that you know when you read in the new testament and you read paul talking to the churches he speaks about them like they are his sons not just that there's a job to be done or that there's a, a function, but actually there's such a heart connection, there's such a love for them. And so they're, they're the kind of relationships that we're looking to build and are building. Um, that's why I spend time with people like Pete Carter and Alan Cass um, and those sorts of people. And, but we want to obviously make that more of a strong connection, not just with me and them, um, but with us as a whole family and them, so that we are getting the benefit of that. Do you see what I mean? Um, and uh, so, um, and I know that numbers of you have, have probably felt that 
or even said to me that you feel that that's a, a need that we have. And, um, uh, and I, I just, this morning I said, yeah, and we're committed to, to we see the need for it and we're committed to t- taking us through um, so that we have those kind of God-sent champions um, uh, for us. Is that all right? Um, if you're wondering, I, I, do, I was just musing over what, what these kind of a, a person like that is, and I was thinking that this is a, a kingdom-minded, experienced individual. They are sent ones, anointed to establish churches and communities, hungry for God's presence and supernatural activity to land heaven's resources on earth. Um, that was a big sentence, wasn't it? Um, but there was lots of really good stuff in there. So if you listen back to this, you can break it down. Um, uh, so that's one thing we're committed to. The other one, and this is why I just loved it, the fact that worship just went on longer this morning, is there is um, a need that we have for a corporate presence-centered devotional life. And this is not just putting on a prayer meeting. Um, this is about a heart revelation for us of our need to be dependent on God's presence for everything that we do. And we're really good, and I think our culture breeds this, our society breeds this. We're really good at being educated, being equipped to do something, but then going off and doing it independently. You know, that's what we do with our children, isn't it? We train them from a young age to, to be able to do it themselves. To, you know, you can put your own shoes on, you can, you know, do your own stuff. And, and, and we do that, except what we're in is a different culture, we're in a, a culture where, as Maya was saying earlier on, actually it's our weakness that causes us to be strong. It's our, our, our poverty of spirit that causes us to, um, to go on. It's, it's, it's that dependence on him that is so vital. And uh, we've, we've run um, engine room meetings at different points, and this was a real heart to... to challenge this in us to bring us to a place where we recognize that actually getting together in that way just relaxing in him encountering him then that leading into worship intercession uh, ministry all that kind of stuff that is a real attempt uh, to do that those engine rooms and we want to bring them back and we want to have those happening but my always my reluctance with these things is that we can dry them up really quick (laughs) And rather than them being actually meetings where fire comes and where the flames really, you know, it takes off and it genuinely becomes an engine room, it can be something that we feel like we're just pouring energy into to try and just keep some little thing going amongst a few, you know. And um, uh, so I don't, I haven't, I'm not standing up here now with an immediate solution to what that looks like, other than I feel like as we speak about prophetic vision and as we get stirred and get sparked about what it is to live with that vision ahead of us, we will realize, well, of course we need then this relationship. And actually, as we see his goodness, you see what wrecked me last week in that moment with the sword was his love and his kindness. And it was his nearness to me and his warmth for me. And then it was his desire to see that for everybody else that just wrecked me. And there has to be that affection between us and the Father. You know, we can talk about strategy and vision and going off and doing crazy stuff. But we have to have these moments of intimacy with the Father. Um, I was on a FaceTime call with Phil Harvison this week. And... um, and uh, we just um, got into, um, I'm just going to start dancing to that. Um, 
we, uh, um, we, we were just, um, just enjoying God together over this FaceTime call. And, um, uh, and I just had this sense that um, for this moment that, that we were God's favourites. <laughs> um, and I know that you're his favourites too. <laughs> But just this moment of just sitting, like we were on, like we were each on a knee, <laughs> you know, like just two little boys, and his dad was just delighting in him, and just where Phil and I were just encouraging each other in what we're doing, we just felt God's joy over us, and it was like I could feel His tears of joy just splashing on my head and running down my face, and it's that kind of intimacy with the Father that is available to us all the time, and it's that that which I want us as a group of people to enjoy then together. Because me and Phil can do that because we've kind of got used to doing a bit of that together. But actually we could get used to doing stuff like that, of encountering God. And, you know, we, we got quite away with this stuff a little while ago, didn't we? Back when we had the waterfront and we had some encounter nights and, and different moments with that kind of thing. And for some reason there's been a shift and we've, we've maybe lost something of the, the affection for that, the, the essential for us to do that and I just feel like God's bringing us back and so it was so exciting in worship that actually the Holy Spirit got to do it before I said it (laughs) like this isn't me coming and telling us hey come on guys we've got to do this no the Holy Spirit's leading us into it that dance that song this morning it's just superb Sarah you you did just so well just listening to what you were saying and, and just responding and for us to grow in what that looks like is going to be such a beautiful thing and it's going to put that, that fuel in us to be able to go and do impossible things and not burn out. <laughs> um, and that's what I'm excited about. So, um, uh, Okay, so last time we talked about vision and prophetic vision. So vision being being able to see what others may not, do you remember? Believing what others may not and having um, the courage to do it when other people say it might not be possible. You might not be able to do it. That's what it is to live with vision. See, it's different than just having vision. You can, you know, having vision is just being able to see, isn't it? You can ask Roy about that. He knows about eyes. Um, But going beyond that, living with vision is something different. And, um, and actually the nature of the vision is important. So there's this verse in Proverbs that says, where there is no vision, the people, um, the people perish. Except the more accurate translation is that where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, where there is no prophetic vision, people will still have vision, but they will just make up what they're seeing. They will just make up the answers. It won't be in God's image anymore. It will be in man's image. You just look at what's happened with relationships and sexual identity in the world. When we take our eyes off the one who has the blueprint for humanity, the one in whose image we are made, when people cast aside him and they replace it with themselves, then our vision is distorted. And suddenly what we create is something that is completely different and completely inferior to the superiority of the original design. Does that make sense? And so living with vision is absolutely essential because it keeps us with clear vision. It keeps us on track and it keeps us living to the optimum of our design 
as people made in God's image to see incredible things happen and to see the reconciliation of man and God in our lifetimes for our generation. Um, so, um, so prophetic vision is important. I just want to talk for a moment about the difference between a prophetic word and prophetic vision. Um, because one of them is something that you can live with and the other causes you to change how you live. There's a difference between having a prophetic word that maybe you've received and maybe you keep it on a little card in your Bible or by your bed or maybe it's sitting on a mirror somewhere or you've turned it into some nice piece of artwork and you've hung it on the wall. There's a difference between that, which you've got, you, you've decided what you do with it. There's a difference between having a prophetic word and actually that becoming prophetic vision, which you then have to reorientate your life around it. Does that make sense? And one of the things that can happen if we're not careful and if we're over-familiar with the whole realm of the prophetic and if actually intimacy with the Father is on a bit of a low, is we can receive a prophetic word and what we do is we just decide what to do with it. And at worst, we just put it in a drawer and we forget. And I feel like what God wants to do is lead us in a, in a mature way, actually, to, to take a prophetic word, which is absolutely essential and vital and life-changing, but for that to become prophetic vision. So that rather than doing something with a word, we do something with ourselves in light of the word. Does that make sense? Um, see, in, um, uh, uh, Trish isn't in the room, is she? Okay, she won't be embarrassed by this. Um, in 2010, Trish came to me and Leo um, and had a prophetic word for us. And it was a word that was along the lines of God is, God is leading you into a new thing. And this is such a, a significant new thing that it is going to change what you are doing. And it is going to involve your whole family. Now... And she didn't know what it was, but she was so clear, so sure that this was a word from God that she said, you need to phone me up and tell me what it is once God's told you. So then a few months later, when um, Phil announces, Phil and Laura announce that they want to go to China and he wants me to, to take on leading the church, because I haven't just taken the word from Trish and done something with it, I've actually decided to live my life in a different way. So we are living then, from the moment Trish gave us that word, we are living as a couple and as a family with a different perspective. We're, we've, we've orientated ourselves differently to be in receive, receipt of whatever, to receive whatever it is that God has got next for us. In other words, we're hungry for what's next. We're expectant for what's next. And sometimes, um, and, and then obviously we've done what we've done, and hi, here we are. Um, uh, and that's, that's the difference between having a prophetic word and it becoming prophetic vision. So um, we, we've had, um, Ruth mentioned it last week in her preach, there is um, Isaiah 61. All familiar with Isaiah 61. For people that have been around for a long time in Oasis, you'll be very familiar with it. Um, for people um, like me and even older than me who were with me in um, church before Chelmsford, um, so even in King's Church or in Acorn, which was the church before that, that was a founding word for that, that church. 
In fact, the reason why the church was called Acorn, um, I believe, um, was because of the link to the Oaks of Righteousness mentioned in Isaiah 61. Now, this was in the 80s, so I was kind of small. But the point is, um, there was a prophetic word that was given. And different people, and it's multi-generational. That's another thing about apostolic words like that. They are multi-generational. If God wants to do something, he's going to do it. If he has to wait a generation, he'll wait a generation. He's not in a rush. But he's looking for a people that will take him seriously and take him at his word. And of course, so over the years, there's been different people that have picked up that word and have done different things with it. But I wonder if we reach a point where we have lost something or it becomes over familiar or if we still perceive ourselves as the little acorns that aren't the oaks of righteousness yet and I feel like what Maya was tapping into when she was speaking earlier on about we've been changed is that we have become a people we got knighted last week anointed last week with a sword you've been through a fire tunnel this morning the spirit of the sovereign lord is upon you He has anointed you. It's not something that's going to happen tomorrow or, you know, for me, something that I looked forward to happening when I was a big boy. Because I am a big boy now and it has happened. And um, so uh, I'm just going to read that. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The point is that we now are those people with that mandate and we're going to lead others into becoming the people that do that in future generations. Um, and I want us to take, somehow, I want us to take that prophetic word and let it become prophetic vision for us as a church. There is a lot of proclaiming, proclaiming to do. There's a lot of releasing to do, comforting to do, providing to do, bestowing to do, joy to dispense, praise to wear, I've said, because it's a garment of praise. Um, Figure that out. Um, There's a lot of rebuilding, restoring, and renewing of cities to be done. Um, And we get to do it right here first in this city. Um, I had a prophetic word given to me um, uh, when I was with Adrian in Bethel in 2011. Um, And the um, person that gave me the prophetic word saw me on a red bike red motorbike, um, travelling from one city to another city and, um, uh, and influencing um, for the gospel, for the kingdom, in, from one city to another city. And, and uh, then that was, that was 2011, and I had a red bike, by the way. When 
that was 2011, 2012, Chelmsford becomes a city. When I heard the announcement that this had become a city, something happened in my spirit because I thought, God, you've positioned me already. This becoming a city is a confirmation of a prophetic word that was given to me a year ago. And you guys are here in this city and we are called to restore, rebuild, renew the cities. That's what we're called to, isn't it? And um, so I wanted this morning just to be something to stir you. I I was just going to go through um, a number of, um, I guess, testimony moments for me in life um, that have put vision in me in terms of big dreams because I haven't actually articulated many big dreams other than the enormity of Isaiah 61, which is obviously plenty for us to go on. Um, uh, But things that are more personal, and and I'm not going to do that now because we've just got a few minutes left, but I just feel like this is a really pivotal moment for us as a group of people um these weeks that we are in right now i feel like there's a a pivoting thing that is going on um the scales are tipping you know that is that kind of image We, we we can either carry on doing church like this or we can do it like this and we can be propelled forward into what he has next for us um and i'm up for that I always wanted this to be the adventure. I always wanted this to be um, where we get to see the fulfillment of these things in our lifetimes. Um, So can you guys stand if you agree with me? Even your standing can be a prophetic demonstration um, of what we've talked about. Um, You're all different. I don't know if you've noticed... You're all different. Just look around the room. There's no one that looks like you in this room. And um, the gifts that God has put in you are different. And there's room for everybody. This isn't just about me. There's my gift. But then there's Sarah's gift. And Andrew's gift. And Neil's gift. And Dave's gift. And Joseph's gift. And Maddie's gift, and I could go on around this room. You put your name into it. There is room for you here. In fact, there is so much room here for you. God has set aside space for you to be here because he wants to do something which is for the display of his splendor in our generation. Um, And we are the oaks of righteousness. Did you know you're an oak of righteousness? That means you're substantial. That means your roots go down deep into your God, into the resources of heaven. It means that you have foliage that other people get to live under. There's like an ecosystem that goes on in a forest because of the trees that are there. Take the trees away, the forest dies. Yeah, There is something of that for us, that picture for us to recognize that that is who we are. That is what God has called us into. And therefore, who you are, what you carry, is necessary in that. Let's turn it into a bouquet of flowers. God loves the fact that there's variety in this bouquet. He loves the fact that the variety means that the fragrance that comes off is unique to that bouquet. And he's calling us to recognize that again. So Holy Spirit, I just want to pray for each one of us that you would continue to fan into flame the gifts that you have put inside of us. Holy Spirit, we ask you for a fresh outpouring in this church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that our children are even learning about Pentecost and about tongues of fire resting upon them. And Lord, we just want to declare that over each one of us this morning, that you um, are on us, you have anointed us. Um, 
And uh, Father, I want to thank you that you are um, breaking off um, oppression and lies and doubt and disappointment that would seek to rob us. Jesus, I want to thank you that today is a new day. And Father, I want to thank you for the gifts that you've put in us. I just feel like I just see pictures of us um, in an armory sharpening weaponry. And I feel like there's weapons around this church that we've allowed to go rusty. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, enough's enough. It's time to sharpen those weapons again. I've given them to you. You need to take up your weapons. You need to take up your weapons. And it's time to get them sharp. I feel like God is going to bring breakthrough to us in different areas. I just want to prophesy over us as a church. I feel like God is going to bring breakthrough in the area of buildings. I feel like he's going to bring breakthrough in the area of finance. I feel like he's going to bring breakthrough in the area of salvation. I feel like he's going to bring breakthrough in the area of healing. I just, I feel like this, this whole thing about us being 20 and next year 21, um, there is something about a, a coming to maturity that God is doing it with us and through us um, prophetically. So, Father, I just want to pull down those things. Father, we just want to ask you um, for the buildings that we will need uh, to impact this city for you, to see kingdom transformation come. Father, we're not just interested in a church building, although that would be great. What we're interested in is to be able to establish something of a cultural transformation center that carries your kingdom, that really brings transformation into people's lives, into families, into broken relationships, that can create employment, Father, that can see fathers and sons and daughters reconciled. Father, we're asking you for so many different things, but Lord, we know that you've called us to it. I know that everybody here could pray a different prayer with a different emphasis in a different way. And Father, I thank you that you can hear them all and that your word to us is yes and amen. So Father, I pray for this prophetic vision to increase over these months. I pray that each of us will be able to add into it. Father. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Lord, Father, thank thank you for the apostolic connections that we're making. Thank you that you're bringing the right people at the right time, pouring that in. Father, thank you for um, the resourcing that I've had, that others in this room have had. Lord, thank you for the... um, uh, the, the great examples um, of, of uh, kingdom-minded churches that we have all around the world today uh, that we get to learn from and benefit from and be fathered by people that we've never even met. Lord, it's, it's fantastic. But Lord, we want to pray for an increase in, in relational um, mothers and fathers in this church. Um, both in and outside the church, coming to resource us and uh, to call us into our destiny, to call us into all that you've created us to be, um, all that you've put in our hearts. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.